Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Reference there. I grew up in Ashland. Okay, so are you uh, Patrick Henry? I would have gone to Patrick Henry, but instead I would say Christopher's. Okay. Uh, My parents went to Patrick Henry. They were the first four year class. He's a J.R. Tucker guy. Okay. And you you went to one of the Chesterfield. Yeah, I'm from Meadowbrook, so I'm from uh, just over the river in the south side. My firehouse is right near Tucker. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've heard I haven't been over there. Hold on, before we go there. What? Clay Meredith, welcome to the center of the universe. Right, so where'd, where'd you go to high school, Clay? Yes, uh, from Meadowbrook High School, uh, just over the city line in the south side of Richmond. And so. we, we were talking about Kevin went to J.R. Tucker, uh, uh, and you're a firefighter now. I am. Yeah. How'd that happen? Uh, that's what I always wanted to do. Really? Uh, you know, I, I, I guess when I was a little kid, I took, uh, you know, I alternated between chasing the garbage truck down the street or uh, chasing a fire truck. And... Uh, I don't know. I never, I never thought I was a smart kid, but I figured uh, firefighting might be a little more lucrative. But uh, it's just, it's always what I wanted to do. It really is. Uh, the time I was old enough to remember, and uh, I guess at some point here we'll probably touch on what, what got in the way of that, for a few years. But uh, yeah, I always wanted to be a fireman. So. How long have you been a fireman now? Uh, six years. How dangerous of a job is that? Because obviously, thank you for doing that because. I'm sure it's not something that everybody can do or would do. Uh, th- that's true. Um, you know, it's not a job for everyone, that's for, that's for sure. Right. And um, I, I'll be honest, there's plenty of folks out there that are doing it. They probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe he could argue I'm one of them. I don't know. But, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, it. To me, it's it's a job. It's it's. I'll be honest. I'm not trying to downplay. It's just right. it's what I do, and uh, it's a job. Is it? Uh, does it come with certain hazards? Absolutely. Have I had like, pardon my language. This will probably be the first time I curse, but uh, this have I had that oh shit moment in my career? Yes, I have. Th- yeah. I'm, and I'm glad I've had it. Yeah. I've had that experience where I've been like, I get it now, you know. And um, quite honestly, it's it's cool. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. It's, uh, somebody asked me the other day, um, you know, try to ask me to compare it to, you know, playing ball. And I said something, I'll be honest. I was like, I'd rather go to a house fire right now than go pitch in a major league baseball game. Wow. I, really, I really would. Because the pressure is that great in a major it's league baseball game? The pressure, that's exactly right. The anxiety and the pressure, believe it or not, even though it's not, you're not going to die, you know, you're, you're a whole lot more likely to die or get hurt in a house fire than you would right. throw it in a major league baseball game. But it's um, it's fun, man. And and even though that that the the, the dan- you know whatever you could say about dangers or whatever, it's so much less stressful. Wow. <laughs> it really is. And rewarding, I would imagine. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. gratifying and, and all those things. But uh, when when you're just a, a Joe Schmo uh, right-handed reliever just trying to grind your way through a career and, and every game means something, uh, going to the firehouse every day is a whole lot less stressful. Wow. <laughs> is being actually in a house fire less stressful than pitching? Uh, it's, it's fun. It really is. Okay. I, it, it's a it's a double-edged sword because it's a – 
you know, and my, I even tell my dad, because he asked me, like, he doesn't understand it. Like, what do you mean it's fun? And it's double-edged sword because it's somebody, somebody else is having a really fucking bad day. Really bad you know, day. You know, yeah. they're, they're literally, they're losing everything yeah. they have. And, and you're in there getting to fight fire and, and do what you, uh, what you enjoy to do. So um, maybe there's a fireman out there listening, they, they probably get it. Yeah, but, I'm uh, sure. You know, uh, it's probably difficult for others to understand. No. So why were you chasing the garbage truck? I just thought it was cool, man. I like trucks. I, I love the so any, uh, any truck. That any hydraulic truck. compactor in the back just got me. <laughs> I'd go out there and help them. <laughs> I'd help them, dude. Yep. So, uh, how else did you spend your time growing up as a kid? Uh, man, playing outside, playing in the creek. Had uh, three older sisters. Ooh. Um, I was the baby. Uh, were they constantly trying to get you to uh, do the things they were doing? Oh, no, not really. I mean, I, I was the definitely the younger brother, and I loved my sisters to death, but, uh, you know, I had plenty of buddies around the around the hood that, you know, we were, we were always doing something, riding bikes, playing basketball, football in the field, pulling crawfish out of the creek, you know. Yeah, cool, we have crawfish around here. Cool weird, time, right? cool yeah. time to grow up. Uh, I am, I'm extremely grateful for my childhood. I'm not gonna lie. Don't don't say you never wore a dress or some makeup. Though. I did. Well, that and, and I'm pretty sure there's internet pictures out there of me <laughs> wearing dress and makeup. But uh, <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I'm sure I played my fair share of Barbies yeah. uh, with my sisters when I was a little kid. You know, hey, they love you for it. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's right. Did you ever eat the crawfish? Oh, I love uh, no, nah, not when I was a little kid. Yeah. No, nah, uh, I can't. I don't know when I had my first one, but uh, I do like to eat crawfish. They're, they're good eating. I would if if you didn't have all this shit on the table right here, we'd throw a piece of brown paper and, <laughs> and, and go to work and dump them and uh, get some of the beers out of the fridge and we'd uh, we'd have at it. Crawfish yeah. versus crabs. Which Ooh, ones? What kind of crab? You're talking about Dungeness or no? Uh, just like regular what you blue? In the bag. Yeah, what you uh, in the bag? I could go fifty fifty on that. To be oh, honest with you, wow, I really wow. could. Okay, I like to pick. You know, I like the messiness of it. I love to pick cold, yeah. cold light beer. I, I'll sit for hours. Yeah, I really will. Oh, actually, I, I will sit. You know, everybody else get it from the table. I'll still sit there and pick. I'll pick and drink cold beer all day. For hours. We should have known this beforehand. We, we could have yeah. gotten some crabs. <laughs> my man, yeah. some crawfish. Crawfish are kind of hard to come by around here. They are, yeah, and especially if you order some. You know, by the time they get here from, there's a couple places in North Carolina that'll ship them. I mean, half the some bitches are dead. Yeah. You know, when, right. You don't want, you don't want dead. <laughs> no, dead you don't want the dead. You, yeah, yeah, you don't want the dead ones. Yeah, that's right. I love so, it. It's not good. So, sounds like you played a bunch of sports besides baseball growing up. I did. Uh, I was, uh, you know, of course it was. I wouldn't. It's hard to believe. I would say even use the term different generation, but let's be honest. I'm pushing 40 years old now. So, um, yeah, I played baseball. Um, baseball was always my thing. It came the came the easiest, came the most natural. Um, I was a high school basketball player, high school quarterback. Uh, even played golf. Mm. Yes, sir. <laughs> there you go. Even played golf because the golf team uh, needed somebody to go out there and shoot 109 holes. Um, back then, <laughs> back then, ran track, um, did a little bit of everything. But uh, so I'm very grateful for that. How did you have time to play five sports? Every season, man, yeah. and and in the fall, um, you know, golf really didn't require anything, and um, I would always be a week late to the next sport because football would always run a week past when basketball started. Yeah. And, uh, we were a really good basketball program at Meadowbrook at the time, and um, 
I would always be a couple weeks late for baseball. So, um, you that, know, that wasn't the Michael Doles era. It was, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so Doles was a year ahead of me. Yeah. Me and Gr- Doles grew up right down the street. He's a fireman in Prince William County. Is he really? Fact, yeah, you're looking for somebody to do a podcast on. All right. He'd yeah. be your next one. Okay. Um, yeah, he's from Prince William County. He's a lieutenant up there now. Wow. Um, played overseas in Europe for several years, but me and Doles – we go back a long time. Yep. I'm Doles, mixing up with Doles once on the basketball yeah. court. Doles, Tyrone, Sally, um, Brad Ruckert, Mike, uh, Mark Adams, yeah. Derek Reed. We had a we had, we had a strong program back yes. then. What uh, position did you play? I was a shooting guard. Okay, nice. Yep. So did you? And you had a three point line, right? Kevin and I are so old. We didn't have a three point. Yeah, line we did. Well. And um, you know, I was if I had one strong seat on the basketball court, it was it was shooting Dropping ability. Threes. Yeah, I was kind of the uh, alter ego to. Uh, a lot of our guys, we had, you know, super athletic, long, tall guys that could run the floor. And uh, I was more of a half court, you know, let me get my feet set and I can knock it down type of guy. Yes, so, sir. Um, but I, uh, I enjoyed playing basketball. An incredible amount of respect for my teammates from back then. And, oh, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Mike Dole. That guy's a class act. That's good to hear. It really is. So let's go back to baseball, your favorite sport. And, and well, is, is it your favorite sport? Your most natural at it. I'll be honest. I, I think my favorite sport, even though I played less of it than anything, was football. Mm. I've never in, in my life, I've never had a dream that I was playing baseball again. Yeah, never. Wow. But I have dreams all the time that I'm I'm playing high school football. Again. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. Okay, so <laughs> then we'll go with that then, because my question was going to be, where did the side on delivery come from? Did that happen early in life? It had to have, I guess. Nah. No. Uh, well, yes and no. So uh, I kind of got a late start on baseball, and I never really understood it at the time. My daddy was a uh, my daddy was a teacher. Both my parents were teachers. My dad was a high school football coach, basketball coach, and a softball coach. Clover Hill High School for. Okay. 30 years. Yep. Uh, so I grew up a coach's kid. And um, I knew my dad was a, you know, from reading articles and hearing about it, I knew he was a good ball player. And um, I learned 90% of the game from him. Uh, however, I didn't step foot on the field till I think I was like 11 years old, mm-hmm. 10 or 11. And I always wondered, you know, from the time I was six, seven years old, and, and you know, I'm in elementary school when they, you know, give you the flyer to sign up for T-ball and then, you know, coach pick. Because kids were playing when they yeah, were four or five. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And every year I'd take the thing home and it put it on the counter and never hear a word about it. Yeah. I was like, man, why can't I play ball? You know, I always play with my daddy in the backyard and he was a ball player, blah, blah, blah. Finally, I think when I was around like 10, we started playing. And uh, I didn't understand at the time, but, you know, my dad just made kind of a conscious decision that, like, he didn't think T-ball was beneficial for me or – and I could, I can look back and say, yeah, you know, yeah. He, he would rather spend that time with me teaching me. Yeah. And believe it or not, you know, when I did step on the field, even though I, I was years behind some of those other kids, um, I was I was miles ahead of them, wow. you know, developmental wise. Because your dad. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, teaching. dad, and, and then whatever God gave you. Right, you know, course, let's be honest. Like, I think there's a, a, a big misconception in sports that you can try really hard and <laughs> and eventually be great. Well, uh, you know, if if you got the first eighty percent, that's true. The yeah. last twenty, you can grind on. But yeah. let's, you know, there's there's certain intangibles that when you come out of mama, you need to have. Yeah. Or let's be honest, you ain't yeah you ain't making it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, my dad taught me most of it, and to fast forward to get to your question, I guess by the time I was a 
junior in high school, I, I started, you know, pitching a little more regularly. I, I played all over the place. I, I mainly caught. I was mm. mainly a catcher. But I started pitching more regularly for uh, for my coach, uh, Johnny Grubb, at Meadowbrook. And um, had a good fastball, had a good arm. My dad just mentioned, hey, why don't you, every once in a while, why don't you drop down and uh, throw a ball from a lower angle like you do when you're playing shortstop. You know, so I played short, I played second. I wanted to be like Cal Ripken and feel that ground ball nice and smooth. You know, sidearm, yeah. easy peasy over to first. It looked cool. I mean, let's be honest. You want to look like a big leaguer. You know? Exactly. And Cal and, Ripken was the coolest back yeah, then. Yeah, you want to look like a big leaguer. And um, so every once in a while, I would drop down and throw a sidearm fastball. And my dad, you know, just said, hey, you might catch the hitter off guard, different release point, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so that's what I did. And little did I know that, uh, you know, I – I guess I was better at it than I thought. And fast forward to uh, when I got to VCU, and I'm six foot, right-handed. I'm throwing 88 to 90. Well, we had six of those guys. Right. And so, um, you know, Queenie and Coach Coach McQueen, we call Queenie, and Coach Paul Keys, uh, the late great Coach Paul Keys, you know, suggested, hey, let's maybe we can try that a little more often. And you know, within a few months, I was full time from that angle and uh you know the rest kind of worked out killing I guess you it. Could say. You were killing it. Did, did you ever go back to a different angle? I did. Yeah. Now every once in a while I'd let a let a fastball go from a little higher slot. Um again kind of the opposite of just, you know, showing the hitter a different arm angle, but um for the most part what I what I what, what I turned into my sophomore year at VCU is what I was for the next however many years. Awesome. Yeah. So. All right. You want me to ask him the question? Yeah. Why is Clay spelled C L A? Well, number one, my parents, I guess, just wanted to make the rest of my life difficult. <laughs> well, you're a third, aren't you? I'm the third. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Alice is my given name. I'm Alice Claiborne Meredith the third. So I guess the C L A comes from my middle name of Claiborne. Oh, okay. Um, okay. The problem is, like, I've even gotten to the point now where sometimes when you know, especially over like text message or an email, I will, I will intentionally misspell my name just so people aren't like, the fuck is, I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like I, I, I love my parents. I love my name. Don't get me wrong. I, nothing disrespectful about it, but hey, it's unique um, for sure. You know, let's say I, I, the first day of school used to be used to suck for me <laughs> back in the day because everybody was going to butcher my name. But nobody yeah. called you Alice, right? Uh, they would attempt to. They didn't. They would never get Alice. They'd they would get say Olise, Olise or, yeah. or uh, Olsi or, or something like that. Uh, but I mean, I can remember even, especially in the minor leagues, trotting in from the bullpen and. <laughs> Have some asshole on the other <laughs> up on the broadcast, you know. Miss now coming pitch, Cal Meredith, <laughs> Sia Meredith, or something like that. Well, now wouldn't your nickname the Claw? Yeah, I got, where did that come from? Um, when I got to San Diego, uh, we had a Clay. We had Clay Hensley, yeah. uh, cool, cool cat, and um, so I was. He was already there, and. I, my name was spelled weird, so I forget, I don't know if it was Daryl Ackerfeld's a pitching coach, or it might have been Trevor Hoffman or Jake Peavy, but uh, everybody just started calling me Claw, and it just stuck. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so I looked your name up, your whole name. So 
I didn't know how to pronounce Alice, but I looked it up, and it actually means gift of God. Oh, well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> hey, I'd run with that one. Uh, yeah, and, and then, t- that'd be a tough gift to unwrap. <laughs> and then CLA, CLA, which I now understand was not a given name, it's Claybird. But CLA, uh, I didn't really have anything for it, but it had a picture of you, a well-known person named CLA. Well. Hey, Pickens are slim <laughs> with the name CLA. What, that's right. Wasn't like you were popping up as yeah, jo- that, Johnny. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't much for Google to ping on. So, all right. So, you were three or five star or five sport athlete, um, and you ended up gravitating to baseball because you were naturally really good at it. Uh, and you're throwing eight, eight, nine, which is a pretty darn fast fastball in high school. Um, when did you know that you were going to uh, be something? And by be something, I mean have a chance to make the majors. Oh, uh, that that moment was probably wasn't for a couple more years. Um, that moment kind of took place or at least started to pop in my head. I was just too young and dumb, to be honest with you. I was too young, dumb, uh, head screwed on just enough, tight enough to not to totally just blow it. Um, even as good a parents as I had and um, it's just a tremendous support system. I was a pretty raw dude from, you know, the time I was probably about 17 to, you know, <laughs> I don't know. 17 to 25. <laughs> yeah, most, yeah, most, yeah. I we'll, thought you were going to say until last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, somewhere in between. Um, but um, Coach Keys, I remember we were at Pittfield playing UR, University of Richmond. And I had a really, really good – was in the middle of a really good sophomore year. And, again, didn't even know how good at the time. But uh, I remember Key Dog coming up to me and saying something about going to Cape Cod League summer baseball league up in uh and i was kind of like and he said yeah i really think it'll help you for the draft mm. it was the first time i had heard that that's all like that word and um uh, again just too just naive and caught up just enjoying my time mm-hmm. i'm a sophomore at vcu a great program i'm drinking beer and chasing girls around camp you know what i mean i'm having a time in my life i i ain't worried about the draft and it was the first time that I heard those words, though. And um, it really kind of caught me off guard. Like, wow. Did it change what you were doing? At no, that hell no. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, it just, it just gave me a little, if anything, it just gave me something to shoot for. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, you know. That would do it. Yeah. Well, you must yeah. have had a heck of a junior year because you got drafted right after your junior yeah, year. Yeah, uh, wasn't as good as my sophomore year. My sophomore year was really good. We had a really good ball club my sophomore year. We were really good at VCU. Um, that was a team that, uh, I mean, we were we were one out away from the Super Regionals. And if we had gotten a Super Regional where it's just a, a three-game series mm-hmm. against one team um, and then winner goes to College World Series, yeah. if um, – if we'd have gotten a super regional against really, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm not sounding arrogant. Anybody, yeah. we had good enough pitching that we could have, we had a legit chance of winning two out of three games. It didn't matter who it was against. We had really, we led, we led the nation that year in ERA at VCU. Wow, with, with our pitching, yeah. I mean, we were good. Um, were were uh, most of the kids from Virginia? Were they recruited? Up yeah, back then VCU owned the state. Yeah, um, it really did. Uh, VCU owned the state. UVA was not who they were. They didn't have the ballpark uh, 
Uh, they didn't have the facilities they have now. They were, um, you know, uh, kind of bottom of the barrel in the ACC. Tech was not. Uh, right. you know, they weren't even in the ACC at the time. Uh, so VCU was the, you know, if you wanted to play for the best team in the state. And quite honestly, it was, a, I mean, the CAA back then with UR, William & Mary, George Mason, uh, East Carolina was in the CAA back then. I mean, you, it was really the CAA was a legit baseball conference. Yeah. I mean, top three to five, you know, behind the SEC, maybe Pac-12, and a couple others. I mean, VCU and and the conference was up there. So, so you didn't make the super regionals. We did not. Um, we did not that year. But like I said, our pitching was was really really good. Um, my junior year, uh, we weren't quite as good of a ball club but still you know I'm sure won 30 some games um, what changed from year to year uh, well we had a couple of first round draft picks the year before oh wow <laughs> so, yeah uh, that was after Brandon and oh, right. yeah so ends was gone Sean Marshall was a was a yeah. was a draft that year and Charlotte ended up having a great big league career oh. um, his brother Brian they were twin Twin uh, left-handers. His brother mm-hmm. Brian went to the Red Sox in the round before Sean did. Um, so, I mean, those were two bucks right there that were gone. And then uh, a guy named Nick Jones went to the Cubs, and I'm sure there was a couple others. But That's uh, crazy. You guys were loaded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah VCU's always had a good program. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, um, yeah, the draft came and went. And what round you go in? Again? I went into the sixth round to, uh, to the Red Sox. Top 200. I guess. Yeah, I think it's 180 something of it. Did you care who drafted you? Didn't. You knew you were going to get drafted, though. I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it was just a matter of, I'd heard at the time scouts put you in the one to two, and then the next grade was like a three to eight, and then uh, like the 10 to 20. Uh, and I'd heard I was in the three to eight, and sure enough, I kind of landed right, right in the middle of it. Right. Um, is what I heard. I, I never. Again, I, I was way too young, way too naive, way too dumb, and worried about other shit that uh, and I never, uh, I never even, you know, never took it that seriously. To be honest with you, you were twenty one. Uh, I was, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. Well, I turned twenty one and got drafted in the, like in the same week. That's so crazy. that was a hell of a week. Wow, yeah, man. Um, that was a hell of a week. But uh, yeah, cool times. Where did you head when you got drafted? What what? Did you start single A, or where did you start? Yeah, so the Red Sox, I got drafted by a guy named Jeff Zona, who's a local scout here. He actually lives in Mechanicsville. Okay. Uh, he was a Red Sox scout at the time. He's now a assistant to the GM in Washington. But Zona's a, Zona's a VCU guy, and he's a local guy. All his boys went through Hanover High School. Mm. But uh, Zona had been, you know, he's one of the constants all year of constantly around, uh, watching me, watching other guys that we had. And um, he told me, he's like, if I get a chance to take you, I'm going to take you. And sure enough, he did. And the Red Sox had told me that if I didn't give him a ton of trouble signing, that they would um, they'd send me to a full-season A-ball team. Oh, wow. Meaning, like, I wouldn't have to start in, like, rookie right. ball or short season. Like, they'd That's send awesome. me to a team that had been playing, you know, all year. And sure enough, they sent me to Logue, uh, single-A Augusta, Georgia. Uh I remember, yeah, I didn't give them too much trouble. They all, they gave me an offer and was 
Certainly, hell of a lot more money than I'd ever seen seen coming did, did coming you, from Southside Richmond. You had an agent at that point, though. Right? I did. Yeah. yeah, and and you're talking about a hundred and some grand. You know, that's a tr- you know, that's it's a lot of money for it, a 21 year old. Yeah, it's a lot of somebody plopped it on the table right now. It's still you know, <laughs> it would get my attention. <laughs> well, <it's, all> right. <laughs> absolutely. But um, yeah, so I went to Augusta. I remember thinking like, oh shit, Augusta, Georgia. I mean, the only thing I'd ever even related to was the masters. masters and i'm like oh this place is ooh. fly in it looks like petersburg i'm like jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know <I'm> like, <laughs> lovely town but um the golf course is really nice <laughs> Maybe that's yeah the, the one nice golf course yeah. um but uh i was there for that was my first taste of uh of pro ball and i uh, was there for about a month um was there with Pedroia. I got in there about a week before Pedroia. Oh, wow. We got we got drafted together, and I actually got gave an interview to a guy from Major League Baseball last week about uh, he was writing a piece on Pedroia and what it was. He had heard that he and I had you know kind of come through the system together, and uh, what it was like to be around uh, be around Pedroia at that time. But yeah, I was there for about a month. Got moved to uh, high single A. Yeah. Um, nothing this, nothing against low single A baseball, but you know you got a lot of high school kids that are a couple years out of high school swinging wood bats for the first time. It's different. Um, yeah. You know, I was coming out of a f- pretty strong program at VCU, playing a you know good conference schedule and stuff. I'll be honest, low single A was almost a step down from yeah. from playing like you know major D one division. Division one baseball. What would you equate major D one to? Double A maybe or uh, no, not high quite a. that high. Yeah, high, high, a. I, high A is where things start to level yeah. out a little bit. Yeah, okay. I got to high. So when I when a month later when I got sent to Sarasota, Florida, like it was a noticeable change. All of those guys at high A were good draft picks from the year before. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, my buddy Brian Marshall, who got drafted the year prior to me at VCU, that's where I met him, you know, caught back up to him at, was high single A. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Lester was on that team, Hanley Ramirez, Jonathan Papelbon. Wow. Um, some big names. Yeah, there were some names, you know, that came that were on the, in the Red Sox organization at that time. Yep. Well, you weren't in the minors very long. When did you get called up? Like a year after you got drafted? Yeah, or? so I finished that season. Um Went home for the off season. Um, went to spring training the next year. I was in regular minor league camp. Got called up, you know, late in camp to to the big league side on any given day, just to you know throw an inning or so. Um, and they brought me. They ended up bringing them with, bringing me with them on their like two game uh, exhibition series at the very tail end of spring training. They major league baseball had just started doing that, where they leave the leave the training facilities and actually go to uh, somebody's home ballpark and play a couple game series. So we went to Arizona and uh, they brought me with them. And Francona threw me in a uh, save situation, um, the second game of the series. And I went out there and I think rolled a one, two, three inning and got out of there. And um, I guess I was on his radar. Uh, so I st- Started the year in Double A, Portland, Maine. Got it. You want to talk about cold as shit? Go to Portland, Maine, April fourth. 
Uh, <laughs> anywhere in Maine in April, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. Um, and was there about a month. Had a great ball club. God, I don't know how many games we won that month, but we were good. We were good. I mean, nobody's goal was to stick in the minors, but if we would have kept that team together all year long, because uh, you're talking about the names like I had just mentioned with Lester, Papelbon, Manny Del Carmen, uh, Ramirez, and then throw Dustin Pedroia in the mix. Um, a really good double-A ball club. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I was there about a month, got called to the triple-A, went to a Pitched one game in AAA and got called up the next day. Wow. Always as a middle reliever? Middle reliever. That's that's a uh, meteoric rise to the majors, right? Most guys stay in the minors longer than that before they get yeah, to the Yeah, that, um, that was quick. And, and uh, I attributed a lot of it to the fact that I all I had done is relieve. A lot of your – a lot of your pro guys, guys who get drafted and, you know, pitching-wise who go pitching, you know, pros are – they're all starters, mm. and they're starters because they're usually the best pitchers are, are starters. Right. And so uh, times have certainly changed now with how guys progress and how guys get drafted and treated, et cetera, et cetera. But back then, like if you were if you were one of the better pitchers on a college roster, you were a starter. Mm. Um, I guess my I profiled so much differently as a reliever that that's all I did at VCU. Yeah. And so – I got into pro ball, I already knew how to be a reliever. Yeah. I didn't have to like make that adjustment of like, oh, okay, well, I'm not good enough to be a starter here. Now I'll go to the pin and learn how to pitch out of the pin. Wow. I already knew how to – that's all I'd ever done. Yeah. So I, that had something – that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And then the other part was right place, right time, and Terry Francona liked me. I mean <laughs> – Did anybody else pitch from your, that arm slot? Um. So over the course of history in the major leagues, you know, you kind of have waves of them. Um, when I got to the big leagues, there you had like a Chad Bradford out in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple other guys that had a cup of coffee here and there, but in particular in the National League, especially once I got traded to San Diego, they hadn't had a, a sidewinder in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'll be honest, uh, I struggled early as a rookie, especially with the Red Sox. But um, it didn't take me tremendously long to realize, like, I actually had I actually had advantage because hitters just hadn't seen, yeah. Yeah. you know. Makes sense. They well, just hadn't seen a, a, a lower arm angle guy really across the league right. at the time. What was your uh, best pitch? A sinker, fastball, sinking yeah. fastball. It's the – it's the only reason I was ever anything. It's the only reason I ever got to anywhere. I wasn't tremendously overpowering, um, but eighty-eight to ninety with some with some sink down in the zone. Um, a lot of ground balls. Got a lot of ground balls. Yeah. Um, and um, I'll be honest, I was. Um, I don't know. I was very brash. Would be kind of the term. You know, I, I never, I never like to be arrogant, um, but for whatever reason or another, when I was pitching, um, you know, it, it, it was some point of my sophomore year at VCU when I realized, you kind of asked me earlier, like, of when I thought I could be a big leaguer. I don't know when I thought I could be a big leaguer, but I did know it, you know, when I was like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. And um, it was fun. Uh, but that attitude has got to help. As it you be. have to. Oh you know, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of people don't understand this about professional athletes in general. Because 
it is, you know, you do have a, a tremendous amount of mix of guys where you can easily see the ones with a huge ego and you can easily see the ones that are like, hey, look at me, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. But there ain't a player on any field or court out there that doesn't feel like his balls are yeah. this big. You cannot play at that level if you don't have that mentality. There's too much self doubt. You'll get right? you'll get eaten alive. Yeah, I'm sure. You know if you know once I, especially once I quit looking at the back of people's jerseys and being starstruck, like oh my, that's Barry Bonds. Or, you know, once you once you're able to get past that, um, man, you're you can roll. But you have to have that mentality. You really do. Um, and you know, I always kind of pitch with a, I guess, back against the wall mentality of, um, you know, you might not know who I was five minutes ago, but five minutes from now, I'm going to try to make sure you remember. Well, you're uh, back against the wall most of the time when you're coming in the game. <laughs> yeah, right? as a reliever, sure. Yeah. There's, uh, there's somebody on base usually. Absolutely, yeah. But for whatever, for as mild-mannered as I, I, I kind of am in general, um, I don't even know if I'd be like that now. It's You know, if I had stayed healthy and pitched, Till I'm 37 years old, like I am now, um, I don't even I don't even know if I still have that edge, um, but I had it back then. So tell us about because you you said you you I think you said you played in the exhibition right right before the season started. What, the first time you walked on a major league mound was I, that Boston? So yeah, in a real game a when real I got game. called up as a rookie. Yep. Um, that was in Boston. It was in the second game of a doubleheader. I had gotten called up. I was I had just gotten sent to AAA, pitched one game in Paul Tuckett. Uh, then we left that evening and went to Syracuse. And uh, we spent the night in Syracuse. I was out in the bullpen the next day for a day game in Syracuse. Phone rang and said, uh, tell Meredith to come in and tell him to bring his glove. And I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. Maybe they're just sending me back to AA, you know, whatever. And I jog in, and a guy named uh, Ron Johnson, RJ, who just literally passed away a few weeks ago. Bless him. Uh, He's a cool cat. RJ, uh, you know, looked at me, and he had a full lip of Copenhagen snuff and just spitting shit all all over, uh, (laughs) probably all over my face. And uh, he just very nonchalantly said, uh, hey, kid, uh, uh, go pack your shit up. You're going to the big leagues. Wow. And... uh, I don't remember a ton about it, but I do know it was a very mixed like kind of feeling amongst the guys in the dugout. Because number one, I had just gotten there. Triple um, A is kind of a mix of guys on the way up, and usually a, a bigger mix of guys that are on the way down. And um, you know, I remember it was a very kind of like you know, some people genuinely shaking my hand and happy for me, and other people that were kind of like, man, wow. you, you know what I mean. That's just that's it's highly competitive. Right? That's high, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. just that's the that's how the dice rolls in that in that business. And um, I went and I made some phone calls. Flew out the next morning. Got to Boston for the second half of the doubleheader. Uh, Were your parents ecstatic? Yeah, they they didn't they weren't they didn't come or anything like that. It happened so fast. I, I mean, I didn't have anybody there, hmm. and I didn't really care. You know. Um, but I do remember, you know, I didn't know where the hell to go. I got in a cab at the airport and said, hey, take me to Fenway Park, you know. And I'm like, when I get there, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. And, it's a weird and, stadium, too. Right? Trying to, like, yeah. you know, get in, like, and literally, I ain't kidding you. People, like, the 
parking lot attend. They didn't believe me. They thought like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right. You're player, here, really? No, yeah, 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 right. You know, and uh, I remember a Bat Boy having to come out and like confirm, like, yeah, this dude. They expected uh, you to be a little bit bigger or something. I I don't know. I mean, like again, I was I was pretty raw, dude. <laughs> so you know, I wasn't dressed in a suit or anything. You know, I'm pretty sure I probably had like t-shirts and sweatpants on. I don't know. But um, they thought you were some drunk yeah, around yeah. the block. There's fans trying to got get in there. <laughs> yeah, got in there just enough time to, um, you know, meet the manager. You know, here's your locker. Here's your uniform. Throw this on. Go play catch. And um, for the second game, the doubleheader it was rainy. It was cold. Um, and it had, you know, I don't remember a ton about it, but it, it went really fast and. I guess six inning rolls uh, comes in uh, tie ball game and they bring me in mm. and uh, I walk the first two hitters. You had to be super nervous. I couldn't. It's the only time. It's the only time in my life that I was so nervous that I couldn't perform. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I, I it was the only time that I can ever recall being so nervous that I couldn't. I physically couldn't execute. I just I couldn't be myself. It's got to be unnerving. And, I, I and just, all these people are watching. I just too. could not. They just won the World Series a year before. Yeah. You know, less than I was pitching at VCU right. twelve months before that. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm nuts. at the Diamond in front of two hundred people, and I'm in Fenway Park in front of you know thirty five thousand people. You know, six months off a World Series victory. Yeah. Like I mean, I just I could not just be myself. I walked two guys. Finally mixed in a strike, and Richie Sexton hit a ball to right field. I thought it was a can of shit. I started, like, walking to the dugout. It went over the fence, didn't it? It didn't go over the fence. It didn't? It went – it took a 90-degree angle, and I'm watching Trot Nixon drift and drift and drift and drift and drift. Doink off Pesky's pole. Oh. Grand slam. Oh, no. In my debut. Grand oh. slam. I mean, you talk about it couldn't have gone any worse. I mean, you, I Pesky's the right field ball. That's right, right, field, right field. field. You're right. I mean, I on any thinking. given day, that's just a, a fly out. Right. I'm out of the inning, and I look like a hero. You know, who knows what could have happened after that? I probably could have settled in and been myself. Um, he hit a wind aided grand slam off, off the off foul, pole. foul pole. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't believe. It. I wanted to crawl in a hole out there. <laughs> I bet. I just didn't have one. Did you get pulled right and, after uh, that? No, I got through the inning, and then I pitched um, again the next day. Didn't pitch well that day. I think I only gave a one run that time. Um, went on a road trip to Oakland and Seattle. Uh, ended Brett Boone's career on a oh, fastball wow. to the wrist. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> on a 0-2 pitch, hit him in the wrist. I don't think he ever played again. Bless his heart. He had a good career, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, got sent back down, spent the rest of the season kind of going between Boston and Pawtucket, but just was never the same. Did you get to play in Richmond when you yeah. were with Pawtucket? Yeah, so actually when I got sent down, was like the first place I went was Norfolk and Richmond. Wow. So that was really cool. Yeah. And then, But I went – Right back to business, yeah. you know, when I got to AAA. Um, but that was cool, playing yeah. the diamond in front of your family. Oh, that was – uh, that uh, that meant a lot. Yeah. Really Pitching at Fenway is pretty cool, too. Yeah, Fenway's cool. Once I, I mean, I pitched fine in it later in my career as a – you know, when I got traded to the Orioles, I pitched in Fenway plenty of times. And it's um, 
it's not the greatest pitcher's ballpark. The the mound the mound is short. You feel like uh, you don't feel like you're on top of the hitter, but the wall, Green Monster feels like it's on top. It's right of there. You. Yeah. It's amazing how you know even though the dimensions of every ballpark at least ninety feet to you know first to home and sixty feet from the pitcher's mound to home plate, all those are the same. But how the ballpark is built and you know the mound, you know there's. I didn't know that about the mound. It's crazy. Like you can go, you can be like Safeco Park in in Seattle, and you feel like you're ten feet tall and right on top of the hitter. Or the old Joe Robbie Stadium down in Miami, same thing. Mm. And then you go to a place like Colorado, and it feels like you're pitching on flat ground uphill. Um, Fenway is the same way. I just uh, I always found that crazy. It's one of the only team sport I think where the 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 playing fields are different. Correct. Everywhere you go. Yep. I mean, how how nuts is that? Yeah, yeah like Houston had that weird the, hill thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dead center. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, might as yeah. well have a pole in the middle of the outfield. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, that was ba- that's baseball, I guess. So that, that year with Boston, was that considered your rookie year or not because you were going back and forth? Uh, I mean, I kind of consider it my rookie year as far as, like, when I, you know, got to the big leagues. But as far as experience, I'd say probably the following year once I got traded. Yeah, when you got to a real team. I got that's right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Red Sox. Well, do, do you consider yourself a, uh, a Padre? Padre. Yeah. Of course yeah. he does. Yeah. Come on, man. Hundred percent. Yeah, nice. Hold uh, on, Clay. Let me show you something. Real did quick. you wear that? Is that uh, Tatis? Yeah. Stud right there. Yeah, well, do you yeah. follow Padres? A little bit. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, obviously, they catch my attention. Uh, you know, when they're spending, you know, three hundred million <laughs> in an off season, it gets your attention even a little bit more. <laughs> It's like God, oh, darn! Y'all, y'all would spend three hundred grand back back when I was playing for. But uh, we've been saving up all these yeah, years, doing anything they can to compete with the Dodgers. Uh, yes, I guess you have to. Yes, yeah. you do. Or, or yeah, if, you, if you're not spending money, there's no so, way you beat the Dodgers. There's still uh, plenty of people in that organization that uh, mainly like clubhouse guys. That there's a lot of things that always change in baseball, but clubhouse guys <laughs> kind of stick same. around. Yeah. So uh, you know. Shout out to Spencer Dolan and uh, Tony Patrika. That's awesome. Uh, I know they're still kicking it around over there. So you had, uh, I think, it's your San Diego first year. You have the your second all time since they started tracking this stuff for most scoreless innings pitched as a rookie pitcher. I think so. That's incredible. I think it's as a relief pitcher, not just a rookie pitcher, is it? I think he's got the. It's the streak you're talking about, right? Yeah. The the second longest as a relief pitcher. I could be wrong. I think it's rookie. I don't know. We're talking to Clay. Does, do you know Clay? I think it's a reliever. Yeah. Let's, I, go, let's not, go with reliever. Maybe I read it wrong. I'm not, I'm not positive. I, uh, I, either I'm, way, it's still impressive. It's impressive. Uh, well, reliever's more impressive. So, we'll go with reliever. Yeah, I like reliever. Is Wikipedia right? Have you checked out your own Wikipedia page? Uh, I, th- I think only because I had to. Um <laughs> <laughs> At some points, I don't know if somebody made a bet with me or not, but uh, no, I'll be honest. I uh, I've got I've got every I don't know. I guess I pitched in three hundred and some odd major league games. I've got every one of them on DVD. Yeah, never watched it. Yeah, I, I just you did you you were doing it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm I'm comfortable with it. I uh, I'm incredibly fortunate for the opportunity. Uh, I loved every minute of it. Never took it too seriously, and um, when it was time, when it was done, it was done. Who was the most? I, I got to ask you. Who was the most famous hitter you ever faced? I don't know, man. I mean, 
Did you pitch against Bonds? I mean, Bonds. I mean, I pitched against Bonds when he was going for 755 to 756. I yeah, mean, that was a crazy year. Uh, uh, I got the I, – I got the – I'm sure we could look it up right now. I'm pretty sure I was the winning pitcher the night he hit 755. Mm. Uh, I think I was. Yeah, you probably were. Um, <laughs> not 756 because that was against uh, – that was against Washington, but I think my teammate, my good buddy Clay Hensley, gave up 755 against him in Petco. Well, um, but yeah, Bonds. I'd say at the time that was, and plus he was in our division, so I faced him for a few years there in San Francisco. Um, but you know, Griffey was still kicking around. Yeah. Ichiro was around. Um, Derek, you know, Jeter in in New York. What's your most fond memory of pitching against uh, these awesome hitters? Do you have one? Striking them out. Yeah, but which, which <laughs> I did, one? I, I did. I had some. I had. I had a decent amount of success against Bonds, especially wow. for him being a lefty and yeah. me being a low ball sinker baller. Usually, yeah. that's a not a good recipe. But uh, um, I recall having. Let's see. You can t- you, you can take that one, Clay. Whoever it is, it's all good. No, no. Might be Barry Bonds. <laughs> Nah, it's not. <laughs> stop talking about. Um, I, I remember I got Bonds, and there's, a, it ended up being a pretty cool picture of it because he kind of flipped his bat in the air. But it, it was one of the, one of the times I faced him in '07, and I, uh, I got him on three pitches. I struck him out on three straight sinkers in the same spot, nice. and he dejectedly kind of flipped his bat up in the air, and it was a picture of him like they caught it. Oh, that's awesome. And um. Somebody had printed it out and put it in, put it in my locker, and I was like, "That's that's pretty cool." But obviously, um, I'll be honest, guys. I, I the amount of respect that I had for those guys, uh, it, it's hard for me to even describe. Yeah. So even as much as I was balls to the wall, like you know, trying to get these guys out, it was still, you know, I knew who I was facing. Yeah. You know, I, I knew, <laughs> I knew it was Barry Bonds, and and I didn't, uh, I didn't downplay it any bit whatsoever. But uh, you know, well, back then he was being intentionally walked, like half of his plate absolutely, appearances. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, thankfully uh, I had good managers, Bruce Bochy and then Bud, Buddy Black, that let me go after him. Yeah. But uh, you know, you can fast forward to years down the road when you play for a bad manager. I won't mention his name, but I was in uh, in Baltimore, and I, <laughs> with uh, one on one on and two out, I intentionally had to walk Bobby Abreu mm. uh, with two outs uh, because he was left-handed, and because I was right-handed, right, right. you're not supposed to face left-handers, and so that brought up Vladimir Guerrero. A fucking Hall of Famer who, of could, course, could crush the ball. Of yeah. course, hits one five hundred feet off of me, and I'm mm. looking in the dugout like you're gonna walk, you're gonna make me intentionally walk Bobby Abreu just because he's left-handed to face a fucking Hall of Famer. Yeah, like Vlad was awesome. Wow. <laughs> no wonder we suck so bad. Oh man, <laughs> like, like pardon, pardon my language. No, guys. no, no. <laughs> that was. Uh, that was some of the stuff I had to deal with. I, guess. I think you and I could have figured out that was a bad idea. Yeah, me. Yeah, we yeah. could have. I probably was yelling at the TV at the time. So l- let me ask you this: Did you learn, or how was it playing with Greg Maddox? I mean, because to me, he's one of the greatest. Oh, he's awesome, pitchers man. Ever. But you know, the thing about Mad Dog was his simplicity would blow you away. 
really? as far as like his approach. And it still transpires to me today. And I was up at VCU, like I mentioned earlier, watching the ball game earlier. And I'm like, you know, it's a VCU's got a three run lead. They got two outs with a runner on first. Uh, pitchers behind 1 and 0. And he throws a 1 0 breaking ball or changeup. I can't remember which one it was. Like, it wasn't even anywhere close. You know, I'm like, well, now you're two and zero. Oh. Now you're now you're behind in the count and have to throw a fat. You're up two runs in the fifth inning with only a runner on first. Like, why aren't you throwing a fucking fastball? Like, <laughs> and but that was like Matt. That's that's like the old school yeah. like and and like doggy's approach. Um, I can remember being in um, Cleveland, and I've been scuffling a little bit on that road trip and I gave up a, a bomb to Grady Sizemore mm-hmm. and uh, I came in and I, you know, I finished the inning, whatever, go in the clubhouse and he had started that. I don't know if he had started that game or what, but I was pissed off and throwing my glove and shit. And you know, he's over there kind of just like dejecting, like just laughing at me. And I'm like, doggy, what am I doing, man? Like, you know, and I'm seeking like guidance at this point, you know? And he's like, he just so just casually was just like, just missed your location and i remember being like what's my look what do you mean what's my location he's like you're a sinker baller your your location is down it doesn't matter if it's in middle or or away if the ball's down does he drive that out of the ballpark and i go probably not he goes i would take my chances and he's right. And, you know, I'm a sinker baller with, with good downhill action. If I keep that ball down in the zone, can he drop the barrel on it and square it up and hit a, you know, hard ground ball or a line drive to a gap? Absolutely. Can right. he drop it and drive it, you know, no. 400 feet out of the ballpark like he did when I missed up in the zone? No. But that's how he – Simple. Simple. Yeah. You know, he and um, he and Michael Barrett, they brought Michael Barrett in the second year. Doggy was there in 08, I believe it was. They brought Michael Barrett in from Chicago. And, um, you know, of course, they had, they had a long history, you know, prior to that in Atlanta and Chicago uh, to catch him. And Barrett didn't even call pitches. All he did was sit back there and call location. Because at that point of uh, uh, Maddox's career, he was only throwing fastballs and changeups. Right. He rarely threw a breaking ball. And so Barrett didn't care whether it was a fastball or a changeup. He would just call location. Hey, what side? That's and so awesome. he didn't even know as a major league catcher whether a doggy was going to throw him a fastball or a changeup. He just knew that if I'm on the outer half, he's going to throw it in the out. You know, like, it's not going to move crazy, me. man. But I'll tell you this. Maddox was an incredible teammate. He is also – one of the most disgusting human beings <laughs> I've ever met in my I've entire life. I love him to death, and I wish he was sitting right here with us right now. Oh, if he man. was, he he might be picking boogers and wiping them on your <laughs> wow. leg. Wow. <laughs> he likes messing he, with people, I've heard. He is a disgusting, <laughs> disgustingly cool human being. <laughs> that is great. He is. Uh, it's hard, uh, you know. Uh, I know we've been pretty loose on this show so far, but we can't. Uh, we can't get into the depths oh, no, of his uh, inappropriateness. <laughs> so wait a minute. So if he's disgusting. David Wells, 
Oh, what, Boomer's what? a freaking honor roll student compared, compared to, to okay. compared to Matt. Okay. <laughs> did you play with Wells? I did. He was there in 07 <laughs> yeah. as well. So the uh, what a pitching the, staff. The guys we had on that ball club. I mean, the veteran guys. I mean, you're talking about uh, Woody Williams, David Wells, Alan Embry, Trevor Hoffman. Hoffman. Uh, Hoffman was still Mad, pitching then. Yeah. <laughs> Mad and Heath Bell, right? Maddox, Heath Bell. He was young, I guess. I mean, he was young at the time. PV, PV was young. Yeah. Um, but then in the field, I mean, we had Dave Roberts, we had Vinny Castillo, Mike Cameron. Um, Is that the best San Diego team ever? It's I, I, you. Well, you as, were on the as team. a fan. I, it's definitely top five. We were pretty good. Yeah, we were we ever. Were, but we then again, it's the, we've we've been around fifty one years and been to the World Series twice. So. <laughs> Not a lot of great San Diego teams, but that was one of them. Yeah, we were pretty good for sure. Yep. It started with Bruce Bochy, man. Bochy was that was one of the biggest mistakes San Diego Big. ever ever made. Letting uh, keeping I hate I don't want to use names, but they kept Sandy Alderson and allowed Bruce Bochy to walk out of the door. And you three rings later, rest is rest is history. Yep, yep. So just yep. a little word to the wise of the uh, the general managers out there <laughs> that like to tell their managers who to who to put on the field. Some of them will listen, and some of them will be like. Bruce Bochy and tell you to fuck off yeah. and walk out the door and go win three World Series rings somewhere <laughs> oh, else. So. Yeah, three rings plus he, he scared a couple more too. Yeah, right? so yeah, um, just like I said, that's just my two cents. No, no, your two cents is worth three. <laughs> did you ever pitch in the playoffs? I did. So uh, 06, uh, we won uh, the division that year. Uh, the Cardinals should uh, should have given me a World Series ring because I am solely responsible for them winning the World Series that year. Uh, if you'd like me to elaborate, I'd be happy. It's to. up to you. It's up to you. Let me uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, we had already clinched the division um, in Arizona, probably maybe a week prior to the end of the season. We finished the season in uh, in St. Louis. I had thrown like. Five days in a row, I think. Mm. Uh, and for three of those days, Bochi had told me. I mean, keep in mind, we had already clinched. Bochi had told me, like, oh, kid, you're down today. Don't worry. We're not going to use you. You take a day off. Blah, blah, blah. Well, every day we get into some crunch time and Meredith, get up, you know. <laughs> well, finally, by the sixth day, um, they bring me in to face Pujols. I had faced Pujols the day before and um, – I, I don't say this often, but I do. And that's a fire. Uh, You're off today, though. Yeah, but that's a fire. We can listen to it if you want. Uh, <laughs> um, be new for the podcast. <laughs> that would be new. Um, and I had faced Pujols, and I I made him look pretty bad. Uh, I I don't remember a ton of facing guys, but I do remember facing him, and he actually. Uh, after he swung and missed a third, he actually like jogged to the dugout. Mm. It was it was he didn't look good. You yeah. don't see big leaguers and future Hall of Famers look bad in that bat very often. Anyways, I come in the next day to face him with uh, two runners on, and maybe the seventh or eighth inning. I don't know. Anyways, long story short, he hits a three run bomb. Uh, by them doing that, they tie. They beat us the next day, and ended up. By winning those two last two games a year, they tied the Houston Astros mm. for the Central Division. So they played a one-game playoff um, 
I remember that because I'm an Astros fan. Beat the yeah. Astros and made the playoffs. We faced them in First the division game. series. Yeah. They beat us. They go on and win the World Series. Mm. If I don't give up that bomb, they're the not seven, tying the Astros. They don't even. They don't even make the playoffs. Maybe no. the Astros won the playoffs. <laughs> Absolutely, that, they that don't, was painful. They play. don't even. They don't <laughs> even make the playoffs, but. He uh he hit one and he hit it a long <laughs> a long way. When, when, when he touched them, they they would travel. So him. he had the, the three pitches I had thrown him the day before it were enough for him to, you know, <laughs> figure me out. He, he studied you, <laughs> and uh, the day. he's had a hell of a career. And he's uh, from what I understand, this will be his last hoorah this year. It's hard yeah, to believe he's still still around, still around. How, so. how old is he? He's got to be thirty eight, thirty nine. Two holds is, but he's. He's he's had a good career. Had I a, saw him really in the spring training before he even made the the majors. Wow, and that's that feels like twenty three years ago. Yeah, but it's crazy. tell you what, good for him because you uh, you do hear things about players, and you know everybody has a reputation. And uh, Pujols, uh, I've always heard nothing but good things yeah. about the guy. So yeah, very hats, charitable. Hats, hats off to him for yeah. a great career. So Bochy was your favorite manager? Oh yeah. That dude was like playing for your granddaddy. Yeah. Uh, very said very little to you, but uh very warm, you know, just kinda you know kinda give you a little grin. You know, you you knew if you yeah. you knew if you made him proud, he didn't have to tell you. Yeah. Uh but the type of guy you just wanted to uh, he had so much respect for him, you just wanted to go out and play play well for him. Yeah, and, little things from him in a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how, and I don't think a lot of fans really realize this, it's amazing how even at the very just top echelon of any given sport where guys are making just tremendous amounts of money that the manager or the coach can still have such a tremendous impact on that operation. It really can yeah. Um, I do not think people understand that enough. What is it about catchers that make them such good managers? I don't know if it's just because they're so used to seeing the game. Everything. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're they're so used to seeing the game. And a lot of times it's it's not your really great catchers. It's right. like your backup catchers, the ones uh, sitting on the bench watching the whole time. Because usually those backup guys aren't as talented. Right. You know, they're not there because they can, you know, hit 30 and drive in 115, you know, they're there because they know how to manage a game, maybe bet 220, throw right. a few guys out. You know, they got to grind. Yep. Um, so, you know, those are usually some of the intangibles that I think come along with uh, with your catchers. They're good relationship builders too. Like yeah, they, they yeah. and there's, you know, yeah. There's certainly catchers that I like more so than others. There was, <laughs> right. there was catchers that were, you know, kind of, they're pricks. And then there was other catchers that were like, you know, there was a lot of mutual respect of like, hey, I know how hard your job is out here, buddy, and yep. I'm uh, I'm here to help you any way that I can. That's awesome. That's how teams win, right? Sure, absolutely. When you're trying to pick each other up. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, we're almost at an hour, Clay. Can we talk about firefighting and your family? And then yeah, we'll... we can talk whatever. I'm, uh... All right, so you're chasing garbage trucks and fire trucks, but you had an affinity for fire trucks because you wanted to fight fires. And you – Work through your major league baseball career to get to firefighting. Yeah, I wouldn't say. I don't know if I worked through it. I, uh, my major league baseball career, um, you know, I guess it, it ended at a good time as far as a point in my life where I was still young enough to kind of pick the pieces up and start rolling. I mean, the reality is I would have loved to pitch for another 10 years. I yeah. just 
I ran out of bullets, started having some arm trouble, and um, you know that was it. Uh, you know, realistically, if I'd have just stayed healthy, I was I was good enough. I mean, that was that wasn't a, an issue at you know five six years into my career. I could have if I could just stayed healthy. I yeah. hell. Who knows how long I, I, I could have could have still pitched. Yeah. Um, was it shoulder or elbow? It was both. Yeah. Uh, started off as elbow, and then um, then I had some shoulder issues, and the the shoulder was a that was a death sentence for me. That's a shoulders are just a different animal. Yeah. Doctors are good at elbows. It's a hinge joint. There's not a whole lot going on. They've mastered that, um, but the shoulder is just a totally totally different animal Does it still mess with you or now that you're no. not throwing a baseball or something? no i mean if, if you saw me even throwing a baseball right now you'd be like wow that guy's got a good arm oh, okay. and i do but i'm nowhere right it's a different you know, level you know i had to i wasn't one of those guys that could be 80 percent and still be good enough uh, you know like a verlander or you know i had Maddox. I, yeah i had to be you know one, i i had to be 100 percent to be able to compete um and I just, you know, I just wasn't the same after having those those surgeries. So, um, I, I battled with it for a couple of years. I tried to, you know, did everything I could to try to get healthy, and I eventually just made the decision, like, hey, I'm, I'm 29. I think I was like 29 or something. And I was like, you know, I had a great run. I'm 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 healthy to do normal stuff. I'll never have a, you know. 90 mile an hour bowling ball sinker again that's fine but if i if i just kind of you know count my blessings right now i can have a normal life with a normal shoulder the rest of my life and so uh i started focusing on other things i went back to school finished up my degree and then focused on you know trying to get hired to be a fireman so um you got to some really rare air man think about every kid that played baseball when he was 10 and how many actually make it to the majors for a few years? It's, I, it's a really low number. Very, very low. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, it still blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I still like I don't wear it on my shoulder by any means. Right. Uh, but if I do, kind of sit back or you know, I, I walk down in my basement. I've got a, you know, almost as cool as this. You know, kind of set up down there. I've got a lot of stuff. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the game. Um, so. As a player, I collected a lot of stuff. I got a lot of autographs. Got a lot of bats. Got a lot of balls. That's cool. Um, I was, uh, I never got too good for that. You know, always, even though I was a player and I was facing and playing against these guys, I always still just, you know, had a tremendous amount of respect for what I was, uh, the the players and what I was getting to do. So I collected stuff along the way. Smart, actually. Smart move. Yeah. I walk down to my basement. I'm like, holy shit! Like this is. Yeah, this, what do your kids think? I mean, do they know their dad? Yeah, played? so one, you know, well, the only regret I do have was I always told myself I wanted to play long enough for my kids to see me. Yeah, and they did, but they were too young to really? two of them to remember it. Too yeah. young to remember it. Yeah. yeah. So my oldest claims she does, but she she <laughs> was. That's what those DVDs are for. That's now. right. Uh, you got all those yeah, DVDs. That's, that's correct. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, I still get a lot of. Um, this is really cool. I still get a lot of baseball cards sent to my house. Wow. You know, people, you know, sending cards to get autographed. And that, to me, is probably the coolest that thing. That is cool. Because I'm sitting there, I'll sit here, and I'm like, and I sign every one of them. You best believe. If somebody takes the time and actually thinks enough of me to, like, 
put a write a letter, put a card in the mail, and send it, and you you're absolutely right. I will I will sign every single one of those things. It's a tremendous honor, but it always hit me like wow, like that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Very cool. Uh, did you pitch with Chris Ray for the Orioles? Yeah, yeah. Ray Ray was there, so Ray Ray was actually my saving grace because he was like the only guy. That I could even that I even remotely knew on the Orioles. I mean, I had been in San Diego for four years in the National League. I got traded there. I remember like looking at the roster, like you got a pretty good idea who's where. But like I was like, Ray Ray, William and Mary. Like <laughs> he was he got drafted the year ahead of me out of William and Mary. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he was like the guy that I went to first. And uh, we hung out quite a bit. Lives local. Yeah, he's right here, ar- right around the corner. Yeah, yep. married a uh, local local uh, Hanover girl. Yeah, uh, got a wonderful family, and of course, uh, his his beer operation is he's doing all right. He's doing it. <laughs> the cool thing about Ray Ray was was he was talking about beer twelve years ago. Yeah, I mean, we were in, wow. in in hotel rooms drinking beer after ball games, hanging out, you know, just shooting the shit. And you know he was telling me all about how he would homebrew mm. in the off seasons at the time, and this is at his first house, which wasn't just right up the road off of Peaks, and um, he kicked it around a few more years. I mean, he had a good career. I think Ray Ray played eight, nine, maybe ten years. Yeah, so he might have a full retirement, but um, I mean, he was still he could have still played when he decided to hang him up, and he was still thrown in the mid. 90s with some life on his fastball wanted to brew beer but uh yeah ray ray's a good dude i always love running into that guy and uh super happy with all his uh ipas and yeah <laughs> you know that's I mean, awesome. I'm, a bud, I'm a bud light guy i'm not gonna lie but i i do like a a ray ray's pale ale or pocahontas every now pocahontas is where it's yeah, at that's man. good shit yeah, yeah that's where it's at <laughs> have you been to kota no center of the universe brewery no mm. yeah. i knew somebody that worked there it's closest i got yeah yeah. Can you hook us up with uh, Ray Ray? Yeah, we'll probably make that happen. Right. You ought to get him on here. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Ray Ray's not a – he's kind of a qu- – I wouldn't say he's quiet. You get a few beers in him, he knows you, he'll loosen up, but he's pretty uh, – He's a William & Mary guy. Yeah. Those guys are like that. We'll get him quiet. here early. Throw a couple of IPs He's a cool cat. Yeah. Yeah, trust me. All right. He's right a cool on. dude. Cool. So firefighting. Uh, yeah. Tell us your craziest or most memorable story as a firefighter in the last few years. I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of them. There's a I think the e- easiest thing to tell you is it's amazing how these two things right here are incredibly related. Yeah. As far as like the life experience that baseball provided me as far as like you know, it kind of, it gave me an environment where I had to grow up in certain aspects like pretty quick. You know, obviously on the field, you know, the game's the game, but right. Uh, it forced me to to grow up like professionally and personally probably a lot more than I, I realized. Um, but it did kind of some of the intangibles that I learned along the way really did help me out. Like going back to school and finishing my degree and then getting hired and the same things that make you a good teammate in baseball. Are tremendously helpful in firefighting oh, as well. I, I I cannot tell you how 
number one, how fortunate I am to have been taught by the people that I was taught along the way about the importance of being a good dude. You know, not just, you know, you get to the big leagues, everybody's a good player. Everybody. No one, like, you're an all-star, that's great. No one gives a shit. You're, you're a future Hall of Famer, awesome, terrific. You know, you're going to, you make $300 million, that's awesome. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. Yeah. You know, it really is. And That's I could true. go, there's there's a tremendous, I could go over names right now that if, you know, they walked in here and, you know, f- fell on a match, I wouldn't piss on them. Mm. Um, I really would. Yeah. But there's a million guys like Chris Ray that, you know, good dudes. Yeah. And the same can be said about, you know, being a teammate in a firehouse. Um you know, you spend a lot of time with these people, um, and being trustworthy, being reliable, um, being just a, being a good guy, um, goes a long ways. Um, you know, it's very similar to being in a bullpen. Um, you, I kind of mentioned at the very beginning of the show when you talked about, you know, what do you look forward to pitching or going to a house fire or whatever. Um, you know, you spend a lot of time just kind of hanging out just like in a bullpen at any moment phone could ring wow and, yeah and within within a couple minutes you're in the fray yeah you know firefighting's even quicker than that yeah um and it's pretty cool though because there's no rhyme or reason to it it can it can it can happen at any time um you know i i wish uh <laughs> this is gonna sound really bad uh i wish i got to be i wish i was working in like baltimore detroit uh, you know, those are big city fire departments where, I mean, those guys are, they're, they're doing it. They're moving around <laughs> They're a lot. doing it. Yeah. They're fighting fire every, every, they're, they're sick of fighting fire. Yeah. You know, like, I hate to say it, but around here, you know, the tones drop and we go run an EMS call because somebody's having a breathing problem yeah. and we're sick of doing that, you know, 10 times a day. Well, you know, those guys are sick of fighting fire. Wow. They're like, God, during another, you know what I mean? They're, uh. That's the type of guys that they just hope they're in one piece when they retire. Uh, it's a little bit different uh, in some of your kind of metropolitan fire departments around here in the state of Virginia. But uh, I love what I do. I'm uh, incredibly fortunate. Like I said, I have had some of those uh, some of those oh shit moments. You, uh, you you do every once in a while see some things you you wish you didn't see. I. Remember the other day I was um, ran a pretty bad single vehicle accident on uh, off of two ninety five, uh, two ninety five Woodman Road, two weeks ago, middle of the night, and um, a young man unfortunately didn't make it. He was gone before we even got there, and we spent you know a decent amount of time, you know, I guess, cutting him out so to speak. So. Yeah. Um, and uh, didn't think much about it, you know. It's just another, just another night. Um, not really think too much about it. And then, like two days later, uh, I was coming off, coming home from work in the morning, or you know what? It, no, I was coming. I was with my son. I was coming back from his basketball game up for a short pump area, and I was coming down two ninety five. And I just, without even thinking about it, I just as I rode by the exit, I just kind of looked up and. There was people standing around the tree, and they were placing wreaths and things like that, and it kind of hit me like, oh, shit. 
Yeah. I, I ran that. Like, you don't think about, like, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's, uh, but uh, very similar to baseball where you just kind of get caught up in your job. You don't think that it's the seventh inning in a tie game and the winner's going to go to the playoffs. You, you really don't. Um, sometimes the same can be said for uh, yeah. for what we do. It allows you to do your job better. Yeah, yeah, you, that's yeah. right. Um, you don't want to sound callous or anything like that. But um, You couldn't do your job if you worried yeah, about I was the family. Say, you didn't have that mindset. No, yet. 100%. No, you could. So, but uh, it's a great job, man. Love it. So tell us about your family. Um, wife Natalie, we've been married now. Be shoot, it'll be going on. Uh, it'll be two thousand and twenty one. Twenty one. So that'll be thirteen years. There you go. Yeah, thirteen years coming up uh, this fall. She's great. How'd y'all um, meet? I actually met her in Richmond uh, at a restaurant. Didn't meet her there. I just saw her there. And at the time, I always came home in the off seasons. Always. I was on the first plane out. You're and from here, man. You're gonna, from you're, here. You're going to die right. here. Yeah. Yep, yep. I uh, I didn't matter if I was in San Diego with the you know around the coolest people, and I was gone. I had a group of buddies around here that I was extremely loyal to and extremely tight, and not to mention my family. Um, I, this is home, man, and I was coming. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was actually down at Tobacco Company, and I saw her. And that was in my heyday of running around the you know Richmond, where I feel like I I recognize every 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 woman that that existed, and I remember seeing her and being like, she ain't from here, Mm-mm. like she's she's not from here, and lo and behold, you know we ended up talking later on, and one thing led to the other. Uh, we had uh, Addie, my youngest, in two thousand and nine spring training baby in Arizona, uh, followed by Harper, who was a spring training baby two years later in uh, Washington. Uh, And then in 2015, I had my boy. So they, uh, all three kids are ball players this year up at Atlee. So we spend six days a week and about $20 a day at the snack bar up at Atlee. Yeah. I used to spend a ton of time over there. Yeah. yeah. It's the worst places to be. Um, a lot of people, you know, assume and ask like, Oh, you coach? No, I don't coach. I, uh, I I show up and I watch my kid. Yeah. Um, I I know that, uh, as much as I love to coach and I've got pretty, uh, pretty good experience with it. Uh, I want to just, just want to watch my kid. You want to be dad. Yeah, I want to be dad, and um, yeah. so I enjoy just kind of sitting out somewhere in the outfield and just just watching my kid play, just like my dad did. And a lot of it kind of comes full circle of uh, why he was the way he was, and um, you know why I am the way that I am now. But uh, my kids are great. And um, uh, are you trying? Are you trying to turn them into professional? Extremely blessed players. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't. I don't know. Like what, you do that. I don't. I don't know what they'll be. My yeah. my boy's pretty good. I will say that. I, um, he's only. Uh, he'll be six. But just watching him, I've been around the game enough. You can watch kids like uh, watch him move his feet, watch him move his arm. Yeah. Um, he's pretty good. My oldest daughter Addie's been playing for years now, so she's twelve. She plays fast pitch. Uh, she's pretty decent little athlete. Um, small, but uh, she understands the game. She's. Uh, fundamentally solid 
And then Harper, my middle daughter, she just out of the blue decided she wanted to play this year. So she's giving it a whirl. Awesome. And um, so it's fun watching her kind of make really big strides in a short yeah. amount of time for someone who's uh, never really showed much interest. But um, I don't know. Is your son the fourth? No, he's, he is not. He is not. I wanted. You, know, uh, you weren't dropping Alice on him. No, no. I um. I don't know. I I, I kind of wanted him just to. I wouldn't say that I grew up living in my dad's shadow because I didn't, but I always did hear a lot of stories about you know this and also my grandfather, and they're great. Don't get me wrong. I was very fearful that. Um, because of the opportunities that I was given baseball-wise. And, you know, let's be honest, to a lot of people, my identity will always be what we just talked about. Right. A lot yeah. of baseball. So yeah. 90% of the people, you know, that I encounter in my life, um, if they know anything about me, not assuming they do, but if they did, like, oh, you're the ball player. It'll always be that. It'll, it'll always be I, I, I guess I just don't want my son to be tied to that just because of yeah. his his name if Makes he sense. if he grows to be a, a ball player great uh you know i prefer him being a ball player as opposed to the marching band i'm not gonna lie but uh yeah. you know if he's uh i just want him to be him same yeah. with my same with my kids i mean we, we all know we love our kids and you know we want to Want them to be happy. Yep. And, uh, happy, content, and that's independent. Right. And so, three that's that right. Want. Yep. And, and, and healthy and and all of those things. Yep. So, um, we yeah. got nine kids between us. That's kind of my yeah. outlook yeah. on that. And I'll leave here in a you know, short while and I'll go up and watch Addie, uh, watch her play softball. It's awesome. All right, dude. I, I've never had a Padre in my basement. So, Kevin, you're a Padres fan. Ask the last question of this episode. Wow. It's a lot of pressure on you, I know. It doesn't have to be about any. The Padres or anything else? Well, I've, I've asked a lot of Padre questions already, um, and you've answered a lot. Heck, you've answered a lot that I already thought about, like Bochy and all that good stuff. Um, you said you follow it still a little bit, and I, and I showed you my shirt. Um, based on what you've seen, and, and and I I know, being a lifelong fan, this is the biggest – amount of money the the biggest effort this team has ever put in and i did i think it's the ownership on down i think we got a great general manager now what do you think we got a chance i mean i know that's, that's i mean it's you. hard You're, it's it's always going to be hard you know again trying to compete with the dodgers let's be honest for not just for wins but also for you know fans and all those things i mean i can remember uh in some of the tougher years in San Diego, a Sunday afternoon home game against the Dodgers in San Diego, you felt like you were the visiting team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's just, but that's just kind of San is. Diego's persona. Those people mm-hmm. are just super laid back and cool. I, I'll be honest, I love playing there. Uh, I knew there was plenty of fans that loved us. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I also kind of like the ability to just. It wasn't like Boston. Right. I could, you could go out to a bar and I just get hounded. And, right. You know, you just be yourself. Gas um, lamp was nice, wasn't it? Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh we could talk about that all night. But um, pitching wise, I, I I can't even say that I'm, I'm educated enough on their pitching to to answer that. Right. That's going to be the key. Uh, but as far as what they've committed, um, 
you got to be if you're if you're a Padre fan, you got to be happy about that. Ecstatic. That was that was the most frustrating thing as a player um, was the lack of commitment from the shot callers in the organization that you played for to to really commit to to winning. You know they were cons- they were content on winning with as little right. amount of investment as possible, and sometimes we did. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you lucked out, but uh, as a player, when you know like that the, the people that are above you that are responsible for uh, a product that's on the field, uh, you know when you see them investing, uh, that's a good thing. Now, Major League Baseball is drastically different since I played. Yeah. And reason being, a lot of it is revenue. Um, I don't think revenue sharing is as relevant anymore because every team makes money now. Right. San Diego has. Just like every other team now has their own TV network, everything is broadcasted. That's where money is. So yeah. Major League Baseball, for instance, last year when they didn't have butts and seats because of COVID, yeah, did they take a hit? Absolutely. Right. You know, you didn't have ticket sales, you didn't have concessions, et cetera, et cetera. Part, you know, blah 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 blah. But at the end of the day. They were still on TV every night, and that's where the money is. That's why the Dodgers are able to spend the money they spend because of the TV market they have in L.A. Yeah. No different with Chicago, New York, et cetera. Um, so not having the money can't be an excuse anymore. Right. It's, it's no. not an excuse. <laughs> uh, and I think you're seeing that from a from like folks like San Diego now that are you know some of your kind of middle to smaller market teams that – are able to financially, if they choose to, compete and and put it out there. Now, um, I've watched Machado for years, of course, being in Baltimore. Um, He's a great player. Um, Sometimes I I wish he would play a little bit differently, but I still like the guy. I I think he's out there for the right reasons. And, um, His attitude has seemed to improve as he got older. He was yeah. so young when he first came. Yes, off. he was. He was yeah. young, and um, you know, he was young and dumb, and yeah. you know, given right. a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> a lot. Uh, but he's a, he's a he's a hell of a player. Yeah. Um, he really is. And um, and of course, right next to him is Tatis, and uh, he's. We don't get to watch a ton of Padres on the East Coast unless you have the the big league package. But right. That guy's a. Uh, He's a heck of a player. He's fun to watch. Um, they've co- committed a lot of money to the rest of the infield. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll I, again, see. I think the pitching is uh, the pitching is what's gonna. It's it, and I will tell you this: they, they went out and got you, Darvish. They mm-hmm. went out and got Blake Snell. They yeah. went out and got Musgrove from Pittsburgh. And I don't know how good Musgrove's gonna do. Yeah. But... So those are all guys that. Um, could kind of swing one way or the other. You know, yeah. those are guys that could um, be a tremendous bargain if they go out and win, you know, 15 games. Yeah. Or they could, you know, be a kind of a low-risk, you know, um, wash. Yeah. I don't know. But I can say this. Um, pitchers should be lined up to go pitch in San Diego. Because yeah. I know they've <laughs> changed that ballpark. They brought the fences in. But that place is – a pitcher's heaven. Yeah. The, the air is thick. The ball does not travel. It's a big yard. Um, and we used to joke about how you could just fall behind in the count to a left-hander and just flip something up there and say, fucking hit this. <laughs> yeah. And it'll 
land somewhere out in Cox Canyon, which we called right center field, like yeah. maybe 380 feet and land in Brian Giles Globe. Right. Um, it was a great place to pitch, but the, the name of the game for them is uh, if, if they can pitch. So, um, so and, and that was going to be the last question, but I have one more. Go ahead, if man. It's, okay. it's all good. Um, for, well, it's actually a two-part question. Did you have walk-up music? I did not. Okay. Middle relievers typically no. don't. No, they, right, right. they don't, and I, <clears throat> you know, I, um, I, I don't know. I just, I never, I never wanted the attention. I really mm. didn't. I kind of, I had enough motivation and right. stuff. Uh, and, and, and that's great. I was not, they're not going to waste advertisement time <laughs> on a, on a seventh inning guy's intro song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that was kind it of, it's it was, not happening. It was kind of a lead in question. Yeah. How cool would it, because I never, one, one regret in my life, and believe me, it's not a big regret because it's not that important, but not being able to see Trevor Hoffman Hell's come Bells. into Hell's Bells. Yeah, I knew that's what you were going to say. That was cool. So the thing about Hoffy was, besides the fact that, uh, and I, I don't say this just because we're on air, that you talk about a class act. Yeah. You talk about one of the, you know, the best teammates you could ask for was Trevor Hoffman. I mean, that guy was gold. Yeah. Um, it it still amazes me how he was how effective he was even late in his career throwing eighty five right. with a changeup. That's it. I mean, he threw just pus, uh, but his changeup was that good that I guess hitters were so scared of it. Um, but Hoffy, I can I I can close my eyes right now and picture him literally. Not people right don't realize this. Him gagging. Into his glove every day on the every every opportunity on the way out of the bullpen, he was that nervous. Mm. He was that nervous that he would almost. And finally, I I remember I might have been, you know, with him for a couple of years, and we we're sitting in the back of a plane drinking beer on the way to a. Well, I was drinking beer. Hoffy didn't drink at that time. Um, his drinking days were over, <laughs> from what I heard. <laughs> uh, uh, but I remember asking him, like, you know, what, what's up with that? Like, what's up with? He's like, "Hey man, I, I, it means that much to me that I'm that, I'm I'm that nervous every time out." You're talking about a guy that had thousands of appearances by then, you know, 700 saves under his belt, whatever. That he was still like the game meant that much to him, that he was that nervous, and that's how I was every time too. I mean, that gut. And by the time I actually got to the mound, I was fine. It was the the pre all the preemptive stuff but once i actually got to the mound and got the ball in my hand i was right i was everything went away i'm assuming the same thing did for hoffy but when hell's bells came on came on in in san diego especially in front of a good crowd man it would uh, the hair would stand up on you and um man that guy was something else yeah really really. he's in the hall of fame now right yeah yes he is yeah yep he is uh he was fantastic and um he's the type of dude that like i don't talk to him much but if i picked up the phone and called him he might not pick up but i guarantee you'll call me back tomorrow That's um awesome. you know just a just a tremendous dude he really is solid guy. solid solid guy clay I, I played with a lot of solid guys yeah really did i tried to be one of them um but that guy was 
That guy was gold. And look, you just set up Trevor Hoffman to save this podcast. That's awesome. I love it. That's right. Say, what do you mean, save it? That's well, right. I mean, this episode. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, Clay, we live about a mile apart. We didn't yeah. realize that until recently. Yeah, yeah, it was easy. Appreciate you coming over, man. We had a good time chatting with oh, you. Oh, I had a ball, man. Definitely. Oh, cool. Awesome. Good times. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.